Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. I know you guys are the remnant of true Bible-believing Christians and uh, truth proclaimers and defenders, and we thank you so much for sharing this podcast. It's nothing that we are doing, but it's getting out there because of you, and I can't thank you enough, and I mean that because we don't advertise, we don't send out a newsletter, we are shadow banned and censored, and yet uh, the, the numbers keep going up, and I know we're not all about numbers here because God can use one man, and he can use a minority, a small number of people. And that's why I call you guys the remnant. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. We've got Pastor Mark Hitchcock with us today. I can't wait to get into his book, Global Reset. But I just want to mention, last Thursday night, it was such a blessing in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I went and spoke on the last hundred years in America and didn't know what to expect, really. And the turnout was phenomenal. And uh, I'm glad I brought enough books, and I just thank you guys so much for getting the word out. And I know more and more people are starting to pay attention to what's going on in our country and around the world and uh, from a biblical perspective, and they want to hear about these things and talk about these things. So thank you guys so much. It was a pleasant surprise. Um, so let's introduce Mark. Um, he's the pastor of Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. I was just there a few years ago, a great state and a great city, after working for a judge at the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals. Mark was eventually led to attend Dallas Theological Seminary, and he graduated in 1991. He completed his Ph.D. at Dallas Theological Seminary 2005 and serves there as an associate pastor of uh, Bible Exposition. He's authored over 30 books related to end-time Bible prophecy, and I saw him at John Markell's Understanding the Times conference a few years ago. You've probably seen him and heard of him, too. Many of you are new listeners, though, so I don't want to assume. But his latest work with Jeff Kinley is called Global Reset, Do Current Events Point to the Antichrist and His Worldwide Empire? I'm holding that in my hand, which is our topic for today. Mark Hitchcock, welcome back, or welcome to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Yeah, hopefully down the road I will be able to say welcome back, Mark. So God willing, we'll have you back. Yeah, but thanks for your time today. So before we get into the book, and I've got a lot of questions to ask, um, just talk about your background a little bit. A lot of people uh, just need to get to know you, just, and then we can get into the topic and the content. Sure. Um, yeah, I've lived in Oklahoma really all my life. I was born and raised here. Um, I uh, became a believer when I was five years old, listening to Billy Graham on television. So mm. um, that's a you know great the greatest blessing of my life. Um, went to school here in Oklahoma. Was a lawyer for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, I worked at the Court of Criminal Appeals for a judge there, and then went to Dallas Seminary and. And uh, came back here, and I started pastoring Faith Bible Church 31 years ago. So I've wow. been the pastor of Faith Bible Church for 31 years. Blessing, great church, great people there that we love so much. Um, I'm married to my wife, Cheryl. Uh, we've got two sons, two grown sons, and have uh, four grandchildren. And uh, my grandchildren just live a few blocks away. So that's my favorite title now as grandfather. <laughs> um, but 
anyway, I've, I've had the privilege to, uh, to teach at Dallas Seminary. I'm, I'm a research professor down there at Dallas Seminary now and uh, pastor the church and do some writing and, and just, uh, yeah, I've, I've been able to do way more than I ever dreamed God would allow me to do. And so wow. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blessed man. Had my birthday yesterday. I was telling my wife, I said, you know, there's not a, a more blessed man in the world than I am. So wow. I'm very grateful for all that God's allowed me to do. Well, praise God for your voice and your influence. And I want to ask you about your books really quick. Um, you've written a bunch. And I always like to hear from an author, is there one? I mean, I'm looking at the titles, uh, The Coming Apostasy, uh, Russia Rising, Can We All Believe the Rapture? This one's called Global Reset, The End, and The Prophecy Collection. Is there one, and the late great United States, is there one that, that to you holds a special place in your heart, in your life, what you were going through when you wrote it, and what's happening in the world since you wrote a particular book? Well, really, the the main book of all the books I've written, that's the, I think the most important one is the book called The End, mm-hmm. almost 500 pages. It's really just kind of a, a complete, comprehensive overview of, of the end times of you know, why study prophecy, you know, what, who is a prophet, the different views of prophecy, just basically goes through a lot of that introductory material and then just starts with a rapture and kind of just goes all the way through. And so that's the book I think that's probably helped people the most. Um, Dr. Dwight Pentecost, one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, wrote a book in the late 50s called Things to Come. And uh, mm-hmm. I wrote this book kind of as a modern things to come. And uh, so that that's really, I think that's probably, that book will probably, you know, when I'm long gone, if the Lord hasn't come back by then, I think that book will kind of be the legacy mm. that will leave behind. A lot of the other books I'm writing are, you know, on, on topics, kind of current event topics, but uh, the end is kind of the, it's kind of the the, uh, the meat, I guess you'd say, of, uh, of of what I've done in my life. And so that's the most important book, I think probably the favorite book I've done. That's interesting. Uh, that was 10 years ago, over 450 yeah, five-star yeah. reviews, and so it's doing very well, continues to do well. People love it and obviously got a lot out of it. Uh, before we get to your book, and uh, I, I just really want to mention you've co-authored books with a few people, and one of them is Ed Heinsohn. Talk about your relationship uh, with Ed and just what just that was. Can we still believe in the rapture? Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, Ed Heinsohn, a great Bible prophecy teacher, just a great man. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved Ed. I mean, I met him years ago at a, at a pre-trib. We have every year we have our pre-trib study group. We meet together, and mm-hmm. I met him when I was in my thirties. Uh, we met together and uh, room together. And um, yeah, I've written. Uh, uh, Can we still believe in the rapture with Ed? I also uh, helped him edit uh, the handbook, the Harvest uh, Handbook of Bible Prophecy. Hmm. Um, Ed was just a, a light for premillennialism, pre-tribulationism. Great speaker. Um, just an energetic, uh, great, wonderful man to be around. Really, Clay was close friends with Tim LaHaye, mm. and uh, they went around and did a lot of conferences back, you know, from the Left Behind book. So, um, we really, we really lost uh, a great, a great voice for uh, Bible prophecy, for premillennialism, pre-tribulationism, and, and Ed Heinsohn. And um, I'm, I miss him already. Mm. It's just going to be weird to go to conferences and not have him there. But great friend. Yes, and fortunately, his books live on and his legacy as That's well. Right. Amen. So, uh, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, Hitchcock, you wrote this recent one with Jeff Kinley, and I think you've written at least two books with Jeff. Tell us a little bit about that partnership before we dive into the content of Global Reset. Well, yeah, Jeff uh, is a graduate of Dallas Seminary as well. I, I ran across him several years ago, and I read some few of his books. And so a couple times when I've been uh, 
um, busy myself, you know, as a book I want to do, but, you know, writing an entire book, so a massive undertaking. So, you know, a couple times uh, with the book called The Coming Apostasy and then this recent book, The Global Reset, I, uh, you know, called up Jeff and said, hey, would you want to partner with me and help me do this? And he's a great writer. I mean, really, really good writer, great, great thinker. Um, I, I love Jeff. I love going to speaking at conferences with him. He's a lot of fun, <laughs> a great personality, but he's really a good writer. And uh, I like to have him come alongside of me uh, to help because uh, he's such such a good writer. And, you know, when he, when he takes a project on with you, you don't have to worry about him getting it done on time or what. I mean, he's, you know, very efficient and conscientious in what he does. So, it's, uh, it's it's great to partner with him, and then, and then too we can kind of split up the the uh, promotion for the book too a little bit. You know, it gives gives two of us out there speaking for the book instead of just one. So it's, a, uh, it, it works well. It works good all around. What a blessing! So I just want to remind everybody: the book is called Global Reset, the new one. Do current events point to the Antichrist and his worldview empire? And I just want to read the description. One of the descriptions says Global Reset will open readers' eyes to how world leaders are using pandemics, natural disasters and catastrophes, civil disorder, political unrest, and other current events to seize control and trigger the Great Reset to accomplish their agenda, all pointing toward the universal economy and godless global government of the Antichrist. So, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, just a, a brief overview of the book. I know that describes quite a bit, but you dive into a lot of different topics within the book. Well, the, the, the basic background for the book is the World Economic Forum. Uh, the World Economic Forum is the brainchild of Klaus Schwab. Mm. Um, he's uh, a Swiss economist. Um, it was founded, the World Economic Forum was founded back in 1971. And uh, the, basically, they, they meet in Davos, Switzerland every year. A lot of the listeners may know about that, you know, the big meeting they have in Davos, mm-hmm. which is always kind of interesting because one of their main agendas is global warming, and they all fly to Davos on their <laughs> private planes every year. Yes, that's right. right. That's, that's kind of an interesting <laughs> point. But, but basically, the stated mission of the World Economic Forum is to shape global, regional, and industry agendas and uh, really to bring about a, a global reboot or a global reset. And uh, the, really the core of what they're trying to accomplish is control. Now, they want control basically over uh, every imaginable area that you can think of. Of uh, It's kind of a, you could call it a comprehensive coordinated attack that really merges every imaginable domain uh, of human life. Um, you know, they, they, they want control of the economic, the geopolitical, the governmental, technological they want to control technology obviously because they can use that for, for surveillance so you know this brings in big media big tech they want control over health we see that with the cdc with the world health organization so we see kind of all these global um things that are taking place that really go back to one thing or one issue and that is these global elites want control and of course they're self-appointed you know they're not they're not elected to this they're self-appointed uh, in their desire uh, to take control over all these various areas of, of the world. And, again, what they do is uh, they seize upon crisis. They, they love a crisis, really, because, you know, um, I think it was, uh, you know, uh, Barack Obama, um, you know, back during his time, Rahm Emanuel said, mm-hmm. you'll never let a good crisis go to waste. That's right. So they really, when the, the, the mortgage crisis happened back in 2008, the World Economic Forum tried to seize upon that to really gain greater control, but they were they they weren't really quite nimble enough and on on point. 
But when COVID came, they were ready. And uh, that's when Klaus Schwab wrote his book, The Great Reset. Of course, we've named our book Global Reset because that's really what they want. But his book's called The Great Reset. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's seizing this opportunity. It's leveraging um, COVID, which when you think about COVID, it's the first truly global crisis. I mean, it, it affected every every part of the world. I mean, there wasn't a probably there probably wasn't an island out in the Pacific, a remote place that wasn't affected by COVID. So kind of in, in one sense, this first truly global crisis that affected every corner of the earth. And from that, of course, we saw how much power was seized, you know, through lockdowns and tracking and tracing and all kinds of mandates and all types of things happening. The government using that uh, to seize control. And so. Basically, they're just going to keep having, you know, there's going to be kind of a, a rolling crisis. You know, the next one's probably climate change is already here. You know, they're going to use that. So basically what they do is there's a crisis, and then they're going to come in from that uh, crisis, and they're going to begin to, uh, uh, there's going to be chaos. And then they're going to come in and, and use control. Mm -hmm. And then out of that control comes compliance. People comply, and then there's calm. So that's what they're trying to do in every area. We see it with inflation right now. We saw it with COVID. We'll see it with global warming, climate change, all these various things. They're seizing these crises to gain greater control, which ultimately, Jeff and I believe, is this agenda that's going to ultimately lead to the worldwide global empire, the Antichrist. Because, you know, Revelation 13 tells us that the Antichrist is going to rule the world ultimately globally. He's going to rule it economically. Uh, uh, governmentally or militarily, and he's going to rule the world religiously as well. Everybody's going to have to worship him as God. So that's kind of where we see all of this heading ultimately. Mm -hmm. So for our newer listeners, and uh, I encourage you to pick up the book Global Reset. It's available on Amazon and other outlets wherever great Christian books are sold. You write about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, and you mentioned, of course, founded in 1971. A lot of people have just started paying attention uh, Mark, in the last maybe two, three years, since COVID, really. And I like what you wrote just in the first chapter on page 18. I just want to read part of it and let you expound a little bit. Though humanity has seen multiple attempts in the last hundred years to achieve global cooperation and world peace, the League of Nations in 1919, the United Nations in 1945, the European Union 1958, and the World Economic Forum in 1971, none has succeeded, and Scripture's revived Roman Empire has yet to materialize. And then you say, interestingly, when the European Union was founded, representatives from six nations and uh, West Germany, you mentioned, convened on Capitoline Hill, the site of multiple temples, to an array of pagan gods. Let's talk about that a little bit, because it's it, it, we're talking about other religions or uh, mystery religion. I think this section was called uh, Return to Babylon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so tell us a little bit about this history that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with. Well, to go back way back in the chapter two, what we talked about, you know, you after the after the uh, global flood, um, people gathered in one place on the earth. God had told man to scatter mm -hmm. and they gathered. Of course, everybody knows the place was Babel, Babylon, the Tower of Babel. And the whole world was under the rule of one man, that is, this man named Nimrod, back in, in Genesis chapters 10 and 11. Of course, God came down, and he scattered people all over the face of the earth. That's where the languages, various languages came from, and probably the ethnicities as well, as you know, certain you know, gene traits became dominant very quickly. So God scatters people. So since then, we've gone from tribalism to nationalism 
to globalism. So Satan's the master globalist. And he wants to bring the whole world together again under one man. He had it all back in, with Nimrod, a Babel. And that's what he wants to do. So he's been working ever since the, the Tower of Babel to bring people back together under the rule of one person. So that's where all this global is. That's what we call that chapter, you know, Return to Babylon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of attempts to do that. But <laughs> I think what, one of the things that's different today, obviously, is technology. I know we'll talk about that later. But mm-hmm. there with... Uh, um, you know, the, with the, the European Union. Of course, the European Union didn't actually start till 1991, but back in the 1950s, you had the beginnings of all of this with the European Economic Community um, and, and, other, and other bodies and entities. So all of this started during that time because, you know, the people of Europe were tired of killing each other. You know, they, all they'd done for, you know, hundreds of years is fight and war, and World War II was kind of the final blow. Mm. So they decided to begin to come together. But, yeah, again, they came together in Rome. Um, right there, you know, the Capitoline Hill, which I've been there in Rome in that area near the Forum. Um, so you have, you have all this pagan imagery around there. Mm. And again, it's this idea of we're coming together again mm. and we're coming back together. Um, really, you know, kind of reuniting the Roman Empire. That's why they did it there. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bible does predict there will be a reunited Roman Empire in the end, a revived or reunited Roman Empire under 10 rulers or 10 leaders. And I think the EU probably is kind of the embryonic form of that. It's not the fulfillment of it yet. But it's the beginning of it. And so it is significant they did it in Rome because mm-hmm. I think they see they're coming back together again as a return or a revival of the, of the Roman Empire. So that's fascinating. We've just got two minutes left in this segment, but um, I really want to get to the cashless society next and all the warnings. And on page 58, there's some amazing headlines that are pretty much announcing or celebrating the imminent re- arrival of the cashless society, which a lot of people are probably most concerned about, and then we'll talk about technology later. But uh, talk about religious pluralism in America or syncretism, uh, which, which briefly, I mean, Barnack Research, Lifeway, all these different uh, polls that come out, uh, talking whether it's Christians or professing Christians or just general Americans, they seem to grab a little bit of different religions. And isn't that interesting? You mentioned the Tower of Babel, and you mentioned all these people pursuing different things. But, you know, they think they're uniting, but but everyone's believing in something different, and there's there's really no exclusivity like the gospel. Talk a little bit about that and how America has been heading in that direction of religious pluralism. Well, yes. I mean, yeah, when, when you... When you um remove the Bible, when you leave the Bible, when you leave God's Word, um, you fall for anything. You know, when you, mm. Ray Steadman years yes. ago had a great statement, you lose God, you lose yourself. Mm. I mean, people have lost themselves. They're searching for something. People know there's something transcendent, but people are looking in all these various areas. And so, yeah, there's nothing cohesive that's holding people together in America like it used to be with Christianity. Now, again, a lot of people weren't Christians, but there was kind of this overall you know, uh, ethic, you know, Christian ethic, Judeo-Christian ethic in our country. But, yeah, it's scattered and fractured now. Um, you know, many people really don't believe in anything. I mean, they believe in themselves, uh, you know, positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all of that is taking taking our country down a, a dreadful road. And when people don't believe the Bible anymore and there's no basis for people to know what truth really is, there's, uh, you, you know, we see, then we see all the the uh, effects that we see in our culture today, which is taking us basically down a road to destruction. Mm. We are speaking today with Dr. Mark Hitchcock, pastor of Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. And the new book is called Global Reset. It's doing very well. 
And we encourage you to pick up a copy on Amazon um, or wherever you buy books. We've got a lot more coming up. We're going to talk about the cashless society, also a little bit about China and how technology might play a role in the Antichrist's signs and wonders. More coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So Dr. Mark Hitchcock authored the book with Jeff Kinley, Global Reset. Let's go back to a, a kind of a very basic question before we dive into technology and China and uh, cashless societies. Um, when looking for information about the end times in the Bible, what are common mistakes that some Christians make? Well, I think that one of the big mistakes we see today, especially among pastors and leaders, is they don't talk about it. That's a big mistake, <laughs> is you know, just overlooking it, neglecting it. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest problems that we see today. Um, you know, o- almost a third of the Bible, 28% of the Bible is prophecy at the time it was written. And to overlook that much of the Bible and that much of what God has revealed to us, to me, is a, a, a tragic mistake. I think the other another mistake is the opposite extreme. You know, a lot of people are looking for the Bible to to set dates and to you know come up with you know trying to figure out when when Jesus is coming back exactly. Um, you know, the Bible tells us when Jesus was on earth, he didn't even know the time of his second coming. So, you know, for someone today to profess to know that is really the height of arrogance mm-hmm. and the folly. I would say, you know, when someone says they know when Jesus is coming back, I'll say, well, that's not the day <laughs> that he's going to come. If somebody <laughs> picks a day because, you know, he said he's coming at a time when men don't, people don't think that he will. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, another big problem. I think another problem, uh, a major problem, is a lot of people when they study prophecy are looking at, trying to find all these things today that are being fulfilled. Um, Again, this is my view. I don't think we see a lot of fulfillment of prophecy today. I think what we see today is the setting of the stage Mm, for for future events that will be fulfilled. You know, people read and say, oh, this prophecy is being fulfilled, or this prophecy is being fulfilled. No, the stage is being set. Um, uh, You know, people try to figure out who the Antichrist is. You know, that's another error. You know, we're not going to know who the Antichrist is, I believe. I think he's going to be revealed after the rapture takes place. So, again, I always tell people, if you ever figure out who the Antichrist is, I've got bad news for you. You've been left behind. So uh, you don't want to know who the Antichrist is. So I think sometimes people are trying to, you know, people call it the the old game of pin the tail on the Antichrist. You're Mm. trying to figure all these things out. And the Bible is, shows us how the Bible shows us what it's going to look like in the end times, and what we see today are the foreshadows of that, or the setting of the stage. Yes. After the rapture takes place, that's when the fulfillment of these prophecies will begin. Just there's two prophecies today that I think are being fulfilled. One is the regathering of the Jewish people to Israel, mm-hmm. and the second one is apostasy within the church, because that's a church age prophecy. But other than that, I really don't see fulfillments. I just see foreshadowing or stage setting. So those are just a few thoughts I would have about some of the I think, common errors people make when they look at end-time prophecy. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's jump into this next topic now in Chapter 4, which is called 666 and the Coming Cashless Society. I just want to read some of the headlines that are listed on page 58 of your book and uh, let you talk a little bit about this because I think this hits home because it's going to affect our economy and our money and the banking system. So here are some headlines that are listed in the book. Uh, The birth of the cashless society. Our cash-free future is getting closer. U.S. moves closer to digital dollar. Bank of England, governor signs central bank digital currency, or says central bank digital currency is coming. 
China creates its own digital currency, a first for major economy, China's rising cashless society. And here's one that's interesting, too. Reports indicate that Sweden will stop using cash by 2023. So, Mark, this information is out there, and these so-called experts or people that are in the know seem to indicate that we're getting closer, and you write a lot about that in this chapter. So share with us what we need to look out for. Well, one of the things I want to mention up front is the Bible never says anywhere specifically that in the end time it's going to be a cashless society. Hmm. But it does say that people can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. So what that means is the Antichrist must have total control over the world economy. Hmm. And the only way that it makes sense that somebody could have control over the world economy is if it's cashless or electronic. You know, because as long as there's cash, there's a black market. You know, people can go around the, the, the main economy. So... Um, I, it makes sense that the end-time economy must be some form of cashless system to have that kind of a total control over it. So I just want to make that clear. You know, sure. The Bible doesn't say, hey, there won't be cash. But that kind of control presupposes that there's going to be um, you know, a cashless uh, system, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, you know, there's been talk for a long time about a, a, a cashless society you know, because you, know, you think about money. I mean, you can counterfeit it. It's a great source of disease, you know, people passing money around, people avoid taxes. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons practically to go cashless. But they, we're really going beyond even a cashless society now. Um, a lot of people are familiar with cryptocurrencies. You know, cryptocurrency is a way to decentralize. People like it because it's not controlled by any central bank or anyone. It's kind of out there on its own. Of course, it's had a massive crash recently. But the real what what we see happening now that I think is so important is what are called central bank digital currencies. Hmm. These are issued by central banks. Um, China has a, a central bank digital currency of their currency called the yuan. Um, President Biden on March 9th issued an executive order. A lot of people don't know this for um, the powers that be here in America to begin investigating uh, the, the establishment of a central bank digital currency, a digital dollar. Now, what's so significant about that is with a digital dollar, they'll be able to track and trace where every dollar is spent. Wow. They'll know where you spend every dollar. Hmm. And not only will it be trackable and traceable, that's that's bad enough, it's going to be programmable. So when your money is given digitally into your bank account for you to be paid, that money can be programmed as to where it can be spent. In other words, you can spend, you know, 5% on gasoline. You can spend 3% on meat because they're going to say, well, hey, we don't want you eating a lot of meat because, you know, cows produce methane and that's bad for the, the environment. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, can, you can't spend much money on meat. They could say, hey, you can't give any money to that church or that organization. You know, we don't like that organization. So if that happens, it's game over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they have total control because once you have control of the economy and people's money, and how and where they can spend it, and knowing what they're doing with it, they can control, basically, they can control people's lives. So that's the real issue today is the the central bank digital currencies. So we may go cashless at some point in time, but it's it's that that's the real key. And that's why people get into cryptocurrencies. They want to get away from that, you know, centralized uh, system. So this is a major issue because once people can get control of the economy, then they basically have control over your life. That's right. And ultimately, the Antichrist is going to control the economy. He's going to say, you know, unless you take my mark on you, which is my name, you, you surrender to me, give your allegiance to me and your loyalty to me, you can't buy or sell. 
that's the kind of control he's going to have. Yeah. And this central bank digital currency, I mean, that that's, that's, uh, leads right into it. Now, Mark, you mentioned China. Let's go there. That's Chapter 5, which is called Enter the Dragon, China, the Reset and the End of Days. Uh, we, well, some people understood that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had ties to China, the Chinese Communist Party and other things. There was just this government that, w- that we are under now. It's just been fascinating how the media has covered for them. But China has made some very interesting moves you might want to call it progress or decisions in, in just the last couple of years. Tell us a little bit about your concerns about China and how China and other great nations are beginning to play a dominant role in international socioeconomic and political dynamics. Well, you know, I think what's most frightening of all, you know, the World Economic Forum, again, led by Klaus Schwab, they see uh, China as basically the the goal or kind of the pattern for what they think the world should look like. Wow. Uh, Klaus Schwab's son is married to a a, a Chinese uh, woman. So, in fact, in some of the writings about Klaus Schwab, the the head of the World Economic Forum, he's been called a China fanboy. So he's a big fan of China. And, again, you look at China, you have to look very far to see. I mean, the human rights abuses over there are brutal. Um, You know, when you think about uh, China, and they have a, have a, a social credit score. So everybody in the country has a social credit score. They, they have they have more surveillance than anybody in the world. I mean, they have cameras everywhere, and how you act in society gets your gets this social credit score. And if your social credit score is not high enough, you get slower internet. Your kids can't go to certain schools. You can't travel. So you have a social credit score, and you're bound to that. They even find people that are on surveillance out violating leash laws, and they come take your dog away. And that's the, the, the level to which this goes in China. Wow. And again, World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, others, they're holding this out as this is the model for what they want the world to look like. Because what they want is they want power in the hands of, of a few people and a few corporations. And again, we see these huge corporations they like Amazon and, and, uh, and others that are, you know, just global and, and dominating the world. So that's, uh, that's where China comes into all of this. And of course, their currency could become the dominant currency in the world at some point. We're wow. in such massive debt. And yeah. uh, again, it's a dig- they're going to have, they have a digital yuan that's probably going to become ultimately everybody there doesn't have to use it now. But they have it, and they're bringing it more and more online. So this is the model for the World Economic Forum for what they want the world to look like is China. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what they want the U.S. to look like. Amazing. Uh, one, There's one sentence on the back of your book. And by the way, friends, the book is called Global Reset. If you just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Mark Hitchcock. And it says the COVID-19 pandemic unleashed a cascade of consequences that reached far beyond the virus itself. And now most of us understand that to even be an understatement. But did you, well, I was just going to ask you, did you ever think, you know, it's easy for the world to fall along with these things and follow and obey and submit and surrender, but did you ever think the fear and about the unknown or the uncertainty of what was going on related to COVID, the fear would even grip the church? Uh, Mark, your brief thoughts on that, because I know we're not given a spirit of fear but yet uh, Christians kind of said, okay, look out for number one. i got to take care of my health, and they just gave in. Churches closed down and, and more. Your, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think there, as part of this whole global agenda, you know, part of it is, is uh, deception, mass deception. I mean, you know, we, 
we, we were fed so much false and wrong information about COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know, that created all kinds of you know, massive fear and alarmism. People were trying to wade through all of this to find out what's really true about this. And, you know, if people are fearful enough, they'll submit and they'll comply. And that's what they created was a, a, a mass deception campaign, um, you know, massive alarmism mm-hmm. where you're right. Even even many believers were, you know, bought into a, a lot of this and complied with you know, shutting down churches and and all kinds of things that took place. So, um, again, it just shows their agenda. It's a crisis, and then after the crisis, there's chaos where people are fearful and alarmed, and then and then they get control, mm-hmm. and uh, then ultimately people comply. And so that's the that's kind of the the playbook that they have, and they used COVID to a T. Yeah. But again, the next crisis now, it's climate change. That's going to be the next one. They're okay. going to be saying, look, this is an existential threat. Here's what you got to do. You can't drive. You can't fly. You can't eat meat. You, they're going to begin to control people's lives uh, based on this alleged existential threat, which is not an existential threat. No. Um, I've got a, a great book I've been reading about that by a climate change scientist who even believes in climate change. He calls this, you know, apocalyptic environmentalism. He says this isn't going to end the world. But anyway, but people are going to be sold that and they tell it to them long enough. They're going to believe it. And we're going to see the same thing again. Yep. They've been trying for the last at least decade. And we, we've heard those words more out of the the I almost said oh, Biden administration, but I mean it. Uh, the Biden administration than any other administration about the existential threat of climate change, and they're trying to stir up that fear. And by the way, a lot of media outlets are still trying to mention the number of COVID cases and the new virus, and Biden himself sure. mentioned this, the second. They wanted more money from the government funding for the second pandemic, I believe he said. But, Mark, we're running out right. of time, and I wanted to ask you, I think it's very important that people understand you said something very profound, that this is all setting the stage now, let's talk briefly about technology, and people are concerned about censorship and other things, but how might technology play a role in the Antichrist's signs and wonders? Well, yeah, we don't really know. You know it seems like the Antichrist really does miracles. You know, he, he, and the, he and the false prophet, Revelation 13, the, 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 these two beasts, they're called. Um, it's the uh, Antichrist, it's kind of the world political r- ruler, the, kind of his henchman, the false prophets, this economic religious ruler. Um, it seems that they're going to do real miracles. Um, you know, they're, you know, we know that Satan can do real miracles. He did it in Job's time. He, you know, did it back in the time of the plagues. So I think they're going to be doing real miracles, but I think surveillance and technology, that's the game changer today. People ask me a lot of times, well, what's different today? You know, people have always tried to take over the world and, you know, there's always wanted globalism and, and all that, but, but technology with, you know, facial recognition, track and trace. Uh, you know, big media, big tech. I mean, everybody's you know tied to their their cell phones. Um, with all of this, um, you know, they're going to be able to control people's lives through technology. Now, they know what they know what people are doing. There's mm-hmm. cameras everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, in China, I mean, again, they they know what what everybody's doing. So you, each individual has a, a social credit score. We're talking about a billion and a half people. So technology really, I think, is. Uh, the game changer for today. And, uh, you know, just think of the technology that's come out in the last decade. Think of the Lord doesn't come for 10 more years of what, what will be out there. Think about all the artificial intelligence and robots. And I mean, you know, we have no idea you know, if Jesus doesn't come back soon, what might be developed to uh, have more, you know, draconian control over uh, people's lives. Not to mention, as I said earlier, these currencies and all of that. So 
that's the, that's what's very different today than any time in the past. And it's just going to continue to mushroom, and they're going to continue to use technology to exert more and more control over people's lives. And that's going to, again, paves the way for the coming of the Antichrist. Yep, amen. Uh, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, a couple minutes left with you, and uh, you finished the book with Chapter 10, Resetting Your Life. And what can Christians do to be part of what you guys call Christ's Great Reset? Well, you know, I always like to say that there is a great reset coming someday. Uh, Jesus is coming back at his second coming. He's going to make this world new. Amen. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the one thing I would say about these global resetters, they do have one thing right. This world does need a reset. Mm. Uh, we need a reboot. Uh, but they're not going to bring it about. No human beings will. It'll only happen when Jesus comes back as, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, he's coming back to rule and reign. And we need to make sure that we're ready. Um, that great reset's coming someday when Jesus returns. But you know, we need to make sure that that our life is is on track where it needs to be. Uh, of course, if somebody's listening and doesn't know Christ as their Savior, now uh, they need to trust in Him and believe in Him. That's the ultimate personal reset Amen. that we all need. We're we're sinful. Um, we're separated from God by our sins, and when we trust in Jesus, He forgives our sins and gives us eternal life. So we need that personal reset, and uh, then we need to uh, to live our lives today, I believe, with a renewed sense of urgency. Amen. Uh, we need to be energized, get yes. up each day, and then say, you know, perhaps today, today might be the day that Jesus comes. I need to be ready. And to be living a life that's, uh, that's that's pleasing to him as we're awaiting his coming. Because it's one thing to have programs like this and talk about Jesus coming back. But if we're not living a life that's pleasing to him, then uh, really everything we're talking about here really in many ways is in vain. Amen. Redeem the time. I love what you said about having a sense of urgency. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Uh, God bless you. The book, Global Reset, is doing very well. I hope it continues, and we appreciate your voice. Well, God bless you. Thanks for having me, and I pray your uh, ministry continues to go well. Thank you, Mark. Lord willing, we'll talk again soon. All right, when we come back, we're going to be talking about a couple recent events and also a poll about Americans' trust in public education and also their trust in media plummeting to lows, all-time lows maybe, but uh, we'll talk about that and why people are losing faith in the institutions um, so much more coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So I don't know if you've seen this meme going around saying, there is no plan to fix anything because the plan was to destroy everything. And man, we've got a lot of interesting comments on that. But I want to go back to Psalm 2, the reign of the Lord's anointed. And this is what I heard Dr. Mark Hitchcock preach on when he was at the Understanding the Times conference uh, several years ago. And Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers Take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, capital A, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And then verse 4 in Psalm 2 says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And verse 6 says, as for me, I have set my king, capital K, meaning Jesus, on Zion, my holy hill. 
I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Capital S. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. And it goes on. Verse 12, though, says, interestingly, um, first of all, verse 11, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, S-O-N, capital S again, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And that's Psalm 2, most of it anyway. Very fascinating times we're living in as world leaders are rejecting God and the truth. And in our culture, truth is being redefined. It has been rejected, including the truth of creation. Uh, My article coming out tomorrow... I've been writing about this this unbelievable problem that the left seems to have in defining what is a woman. And if you haven't seen the documentary over the Daily Wire by Matt Walsh, "What Is a Woman?" Fascinating as it goes around, you know, asking experts from the university level to women's groups leaders, "What is a woman?" And somehow they can't even come to answer the question anymore. Something so basic in terms of truth and reality and biology. But that's where we are. So let's go to this poll. I saw a poll last week. Um, you know, Americans trust in the media at all time lows, but also the only thing they, they don't trust or the only thing they trust less is Congress. So there's a shout out to Nancy Pelosi and the uh, Democrat led Congress. Um, This one says American trust in public education plummets to second all-time low. Only 28% of Americans now have either a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the public education system. This is according to Gallup. The sharp decline marks the second lowest all-time record for public education in America, and it was 26% in 2014. And now it's 28%. So what's that average, right? That's 27% we're averaging in the last uh, eight years, roughly. Um, So it's down from the last couple years, of course. The partisan divide on the question, however, is stark. And it reveals a fundamental disagreement among Americans as to the worth of the government-run system of education in America. While Democrats clock in as having a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the system, 43% of Democrats, um, that's a drop from 48%. So what's that saying? Just in the last couple of years, it continues to decline. But just a few years ago, almost half of Democrats in this poll trusted the education system. Now, Republican support went from 34% down to 14% in that same time frame. But the important group may be independent voters. They dropped nine points to 29%. So 29% of independent voters in America uh, trust the public education system. That is interesting. That is what's telling. But we know the political divide. And um, when it comes to people who are more open, who are more moderate, or maybe um, believe in a couple of the Republican policies, and then maybe they 
believe in a couple of the Democrat policies, whatever. They're kind of like in the middle. But independent voters dropped nine points in their trust, or I should say distrust of the education system. So this is a, as massive in the history of the Gallup poll as uh, that it started in 1973 when they were asking Americans on their trust in the education system. Um, interesting. So quite a partisan divide. Uh, in Let's see. T- the poll also shows um, that Republicans have little or no faith in the system, uh, even from 2019. So it's really been going downward quickly. So despite the divide, though, Here's what's interesting. Here's one takeaway. Republicans rank the issue of education low on their ratings of most important issues facing the country. Now, this is a problem, friends. This is a problem because the education system over the last couple decades has been producing radical leftist social justice activists and um, disciples of the Democrat Party. You know that's true. I'm not exaggerating. And there's proof. So if Republicans don't rank that issue more importantly, that means they're not paying attention or trying to do anything about it or trying to get their children out of this dangerous system of indoctrination. Let me repeat that. According to this Gallup poll, Republicans rank the issue of education low on their ratings of most important issues facing the country. Well, th- their important ratings, inflation, abortion, which is good. They value life in the womb, human life. That's a key issue, of course. And the Second Amendment, guns and the ability to defend themselves. So Republicans are placing the education issue low on their uh, priori- prioritize, or they're not prioritizing it, I should say. Um, so... Um, it's a political battleground, we know, and we know why. But the overall takeaway, continued decline when it comes to Americans' lack of uh, you know, trust or confidence in the education system. So I'm not surprising. And here's one headline that can kind of explain why. The National Education Association proposed changing the word mother to birthing parent. Not making this up. I think most of you understand that. So there's your education system. The NEA, the Big Teachers Union. Um, (laughs) This is just unbelievable. These are educators, friends, that want to change the word mother to birthing parent. They propose this resolution to change mother to birthing parent in union contracts, which means it'll soon be in your student's classroom as well if your children are still in that government-run system. Um, From the resolution, it says this, quote, Using this contract language, members need not worry about how a Board of Education solicitor defines maternity leave, mother, and or father. The language is an inclusive reflection of how LGBTQIA plus members build families. So now mother is going to be known as birthing parent. I think that I've read somewhere else where they're trying to get rid of the word parent. Um, This is progressive ideology. 
And it has been succeeding to some degree based on the moral relativism that's rampant in our country, in our society, that, that's taken over our culture. Um, so that's another <laughs> headline altogether. Let's, uh, let's see. The, what, what, what about a member of the NEA, the vice president? Uh, wait a minute. Let, let's talk about Jill Biden. President Biden's wife, um, she's a member of the NEA. What does she think about it? Um, well, you know she's going along with it, right? Because it's the left. You got it. You can't deny what the left is pushing. But the White House refused to comment on the, the NEA's apparent desire to eliminate mothers. And Press Secretary um, Karine Jean-Pierre said... So we are not the NEA, and I would refer you to their team about that particular, meaning that's a non-answer. We're not going to address that issue. Um, except that Kamala Harris just spoke at the NEA convention last week, or it was either last week or the week before. So it was another dodge of the question. And we're not going to get answers, but we know the direction. We know their worldview. It's antichrist. They're against God. They've rejected God. They've rejected the truth. So the next headline I have is Planned Parenthood says transgender identity is cemented early in elementary school. So they claim that transgender identity is, uh, it, it, it even affects preschoolers. So they're saying pr- even preschoolers can be transgender, and they're putting out a guide for parents, a guide for parents. So Planned Parenthood's guide, what do you think they're going to promote? Well, we know it's intended for the parents of elementary school-age children. It directs adults to a number of left-wing organizations, GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, the National Center for Transgender Equality. Um, These organizations and gender spectrum, they've had a foothold in private schools as well as the government school. Yeah, so that's Planned Parenthood. Again, the nation's largest big business Provider of abortions. They published various guides for parents, including one that argues that children can know if they're transgender or gender nonconforming when they are early in elementary school or in preschool. That's their worldview. One more, at least one more we have time for here. LGBTQ plus rights and the Constitution. It's a college course coming to campuses this fall. And this, you can find this over at campusreform.org, Campus Reform. They do a lot of work on the university system. So students who take the class will study, quote, the historical and legal development of equal treatment for members of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as ongoing controversies and conflicts of rights. Coming in the fall. Now, this is even at the University of North Texas. So just because they're in Texas doesn't mean the university system isn't woke or leftist. They are, unfortunately, even in Texas. That's right. Let's wake up, friends, and understand what's going on. But students who take the class will continue to learn more about what they've already been taught in high school. When they go to college, they'll further their uh, established ties to the radical left and their social justice ideology, and they will be activists. The system is producing activists for the left, and for the Democrat Party. That's what these systems are designed now to do. 
you can disagree with me. You're allowed to, and I, I'm open to your comments or any other views that tell me that this is not happening <laughs> in the education system. You tell me. Uh, finally, um, I'll be doing an article on this. We'll talk about it in a couple days. Um, what is a woman? The National Women's Law Center can't answer the question. And the Church of England says there is no official definition of a woman. So it's easy. I know that's low-hanging fruit, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, not today. Uh, in my article this week, you can go to harbingersdaily.com. It comes out. It'll come out, I think, Wednesday. Um, so I think that's what we wanted to wrap up with because we don't have time to open up another topic. But thank you, guys. You know, we're, we're in very strange times when there are people that can't define or discuss truth and reality, basic biology and what even science would indicate um, as true or as real. And, and that is what some of us call delusion. The, there's a strong delusion going on, a deception, delusion, and uh, we're, we're not surprised, right? We know our Bibles. We know Romans chapter 1. We know Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. God warns, woe to those. And there's a lot of people, I, I pray not in the church, calling good evil and evil good. But there are, even in churches. Um, as Peter warned in the last days, pay attention, mockers will come. And then Jude warns that they're already here. That was back, you know, in the first century. So they're here. Don't be surprised, friends. Don't let these fiery trials surprise you. Peter also writes about that. But uh, thank you, guys. We've got, um, I'm looking at the schedule, Stephen Black tomorrow. Uh, First Stone Ministries executive director. We'll be talking with him, getting caught up on some of those issues. Uh, He's a former homosexual, and he's taken a lot of heat recently for coming out against this nonsense. Um, So we'll also hear from Pastor Kevin Minsky on Wednesday, Mike Gendron on Thursday, Justin Peters in Studio Friday. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.